This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin and I'm joined from Whakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How was your weekend? How was the writing going? The writing, um, actually, it's uh, Saturday was an, a no-go for writing. It was a day for just resting. And today, oh, Sunday was just write, 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 and write some more. But, yeah, it's so, it's wonderful, Sam. I'm really, really proud of it, actually. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Ross Pennington. I met Ross at a Responsible Investment Australia-New Zealand conference in Auckland um, earlier this year, and um, he was one of the speakers and actually was the speaker who really stuck in my mind as making good sense and, yeah, just being a really good guy. Um, He is uh, part of the Sustainable Finance Forum, um, he is a sometimes lawyer, uh, and he's uh, involved in all things financial. So welcome, Ross, and thanks for joining us today. Kia Kira Ross. Where are you, Ross? I am deep in the main streets of Remuera in uh, Tamaki, Makoto. So we've been asking people for a year now, how was your bubble life? And then having to say, I mean the bubble life Ooh. last year, but you're properly in a bubble life and you still are. How's it going? Um, yeah, my kahui rahui is um, just learned that this morning. Right? Thank you, Taringa. Um, it's it's great. I, I, I'm, we are, yeah, we have a good bubble life because there's so many of us in the house. There's six of us um, plus our beloved dog. Um, we have a house that we can roam around. I do really feel for those who are alone or and or in you know pokey little apartments, perhaps or or so forth. So. Yeah, that whole thing about counting your blessings um, does um, does come to mind. And outside my window is a gigantic puriri, and it's got swings in it and slides on it that my father built. And um, we have uh, done what we do when we lock down, which is there are only th- two things you can do, which is walk and cook. So we have walked a lot, and we have cooked a lot. Clearly, if you cook a lot, you need to walk a lot. So no. Um, no complaints of any kind whatsoever. No, I should also mention my, with my work, it's it's completely irrelevant um, whether I go to work other than for generating new business. And obviously, during periods of time, you generate business and then you actually have to do the mahi. So um, this is one of those periods of you know just heavy amount of reading and writing. In other words, do do in COVID that which you can do. So how old are the kids? Mm, okay, the 18-year-old is somewhere across Auckland staying with his um, girlfriend and their lovely family. Um, he's at university. The So we've got, apart from that, I think I'm going to get this right, I hope. 
quick maths in your head. Okay, yeah, no, because it's even numbers this year. 14, 12, and 10. So boy, girl, girl, boy. But how's the homeschooling going? Um, I have given up on that this time, um, partly because my need for horror is limited. And um, <laughs> last time I was the kayako for my 10-year-old dude, who's just super lovely, but um, I, we used to have this scale called um, the Coat Johnny. So everything he did was one Coat Johnny, and we were trying to get it up to two Coat Johnny, three Coat, and so forth. This time I think I've more or less given up because um, he's not going to make ducks this year and um, he that doesn't matter much to him and it, I think it probably matters even less to me. But the but the girls, uh, they're called say cuts and they seem pretty old. Yeah, no, they're, um, it's all fine so far as I can tell. And you've got a house that you can get away from everybody and... and, and... Oh yeah, yeah. Focus so I'm sitting in stuff. the office. Yeah, I'm sitting in the office here that used to be one of my daughter's bedroom until the dude, the big long dude who's um, 18, moved out to university. And um, yeah, so we've got kind of uh, rooms everywhere. It's very, very old school sort of house in that respect. But um, yeah, I hang out here or in the so-called pool room. Called that because it's got a two. No, it's really good. So what sort of work are you doing? Yeah. Well. Starting with my favourite first, and the thing I'm mostly doing is we have a kind of a co-papa to do with uh, community housing, and particularly for iwi who are pursuing that. Um, uh, so we're working with an iwi up in uh, to Tai Tukoro, and um, and really, when I say it's community housing, it's a, it's obviously. Um, it's a very broad kaupapa. It's all about um, empowering um, their runanga, um, getting wealth for it, frankly, um, through School for Financial Engineering, we hope, um, but engaged in other things on a development basis through time to do with empowering rangatahi, to do with uh, developing economic opportunities and recovering the economic base that obviously was washed away by we pakiha in the period from 1860-ish um, onwards. So it's a little bit of a, an attempt to reverse some of that. Needless to say, it is enormously exciting. The, um, I mean, I suppose the whole kaupapa is, and this came from the very first meeting, was um, go and stand on a hill in um, 50 years' time and look back and see what you made. And once we figured out what we wanted to make, then then that told us what we what we needed to do. But there's a lot to that. That is obviously deeply complex um, and quite innovative. So that takes a lot of work. But I enjoy that. That's I, I like the. I'm, I'm as much of the of a fan as the de- of the detail as I am of the big picture. So absolutely relish it. And you can do all of that work, even though that's that's heavily consultative. At least I'm imagining it is. You're managing to do yeah, that yeah. from from a distance. Yeah, I I don't like the. I don't like the online hui at all. Um, miss out on the hariru and the hongi. And, um, but we still kick off with our karakia tenetanga. And, um, yeah, we get into it. But as I say, this is a sort of a bit of a reading and writing phase. So this is something that we can push forward there. I think we'd had meetings with various officials and so forth um, just prior to um, the lockdown. So it was probably a little bit, a bit fortunate. Some of the other um, stuff I'm doing is a bit more affected by that. There's um, some not just sustainable finance, but sort of sustainable technology stuff. And I was, had a meeting that was only four days away, I think, when lockdown happened with um, a key minister 
um, to do with moving that forward. And now that's sort of commuted until the depths of October. If it even happens, then there doesn't seem to be much of an exit plan from this, in, at least in Auckland. <laughs> Let's take the first of your music choices. Actually, I'm going to reorder them. Let's go for ABBA. Let's go for Chikatito. Why this one? Uh, well, two things, because I think it finishes with an almost um, Chopin-style mazurka. Um, um, so my favourite bit is like the last couple of minutes. And the... um, but it's, 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 just, it's just endlessly joyous, or as the people might have said in the 19th century, gay. And, um, and I think um, we all need a lot of that in me as much as anyone. Chikatito, tell me what's wrong. You're enchained by your own sorrow In your eyes there is no hope for tomorrow How I hate to see you like this There is no way you can deny Chiquitita, tell me the truth I'm a shoulder you can cry on Your best friend I'm the one you must rely on You were always sure of yourself Now I see you
get into the responsible side of finance and law i mean and i'm sure the argument is that all law and finance is responsible but responsible with a big r how did you get yourself there uh like all good things by accident um i i live in this city here in auckland which has a lot of potential and is um achieving almost none of it um and I got increasingly disturbed by a whole lot of related phenomena um, to do with infrastructure, especially, and to do with the fact that the housing crisis and the infrastructure deficit were combining to make the lives of young people and the working poor and so forth. Because I grew up in, you know, rural little place where everyone was in the same boat. Um, so that their life was being made considerably worse, as was the economy at the same time. So whatever one's motivation, I wanted to confront that infrastructure challenge. So I spent five or six years working with the government and Auckland Council and others on that. And that was kind of the gateway, I suppose, to eventually getting kind of radicalised and um, leaving leaving the government and behind and really seeking to, to do it. Not so much myself, it's ourselves. It's a tato rather than a, you know... Um, a hoe, that one. Uh, yeah, and no, I got, um, you yeah, know, we achieved some stuff. I, we, we landed in, in uh, an act of parliament called the Infrastructure Funding and Financing Act 2020, but I found that the enthusiasm on the part of people who should be enthusiastic to solve these problems was non-existent, and, um, and I was doing a lot of work for um, what seemed to me to be an exercise in comparative futility. Uh, but I but I gave my all for that for that period of time, and it was time to try to achieve the same things um, in another way. Otherwise, I'd end up being Homer Simpson. So, Hence what I'm doing now. But also, the, what I'm doing now itself is um, just a piece of the universe um, 
um, ordering things as it, as it sees fit. And um, one of the things I kind of learned is listen to the universe, really. I like Walk that. in the path. I like that notion of getting beyond the comparative futility. We do tend to analyze ourselves as we go down the um, go down the, 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 the big spiral. But how do you shift from there to identifying what levers that you have that you can pull on that can make a real difference? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, it was really using superpowers for good, I suppose. So if you could call them that. Um, so I know about very arcane things and things like structured, structured finance and so forth and capital markets. That's always been my game. But it's the ability to utilize the tool, those tools to, you know, achieve, you know, they used to be used for such things as tax rewards and so forth. Now, I never did that. It was the only thing I ever said no to in my legal career. But the, um, the ability to use those tools, because there's this enormous weight of cash in the world that's looking for a home, 130 trillion US approx. Um, so finding the money is not the problem. It's um, creating transaction structures that will allow the money to get to a good productive home and in this case a transformational home. So I don't think the ambitions of that are actually that that tremendous. It's just the discipline and the willpower to, to actually make that happen. But it's not difficult to get motivated to do something that, that could be this um, transformational. But it's hard, obviously. It's um, it's not inevitable to occur. But I'd, you know, rather die with my boots on doing, trying to do something important than, um, than carry on the old life of, you know, chasing material things that I never cared much about in the first place. <clears throat> Can you spot a transformational project coming? Uh, only in the private sector. The um, government does not do transformation. It became apparent to me that if you keep saying over a three-decade period that you want to do something and you have all the resources of the government and indeed the nation at your disposal and you still not only have not solved the problem but the problem has become in, in increasingly um, and worse then you didn't want to solve the problem in the first place. That's um, not a fun recognition but I found it an inevitable one simply because it was the only reasonable explanation for the phenomena um, that I was seeing and still see. Um, just before lockdown, there were two shocking pieces of news to me, not shocking to anyone else because they probably wouldn't notice, but the um, $400 million was taken out of the Auckland transport budget. And um, the Mill Road project that had been promised to be a four-lane thing that essentially connects um, Mangere, uh, Manurewa and so forth to employment and educational opportunities in other parts of the city and, and, and also um, improves the economy down there and means that people can get their, to their children's soccer practice and so forth. So that was being shut down from that four-lane project to a two-lane safety road. Um, so so far from um, far from helping to resolve that problem makes it worse. Now, the, the reason I mentioned the 400 million and why is that relevant, why do we need more roads, as it were, is that that is the growth enabling infrastructure. So without those roads, you do not have new houses. Without those new houses, you continue with the supply demand imbalance. And if you continue with the supply and demand imbalance, you continue to have house price appreciation. And if you continue to have house price appreciation, you are continuing to impoverish your young and your working class, and you are continuing to transfer wealth from the working poor to the rentier class of people who are already well off. Now, I don't find any of that acceptable on any level, but far from trying to work with the, the government, 
the central government and its agencies to try to solve that problem through that channel. I've tried to at least do my little bit to solve it in another way. By building houses or organising the building of houses? Yeah, yeah. So the infrastructure thing, as I say, I can't, there's no more I can do there. Um, the, the big problem there was that local authorities have the responsibility for um, creating and, you know, looking after growth enabling infrastructure, but none of the tools to discharge that responsibility. And that's not an accident. Um, so we, yeah, tried to create a tool to enable them to do that. I can't do any more about that. Uh, in terms of projects that will enable housing, leaving aside the question of infrastructure, you know, that, that is one of the things to try and do, but it's, it's the, the housing thing is only part of it to me. I mean, the, uh, just, just take the iwi I'm working with, and this will be pretty representative from around the country. 50% of uh, their uri are uh, rangatahi or tamariki, right? So they are above, um, below 20. So they're about to go into the world, and, and if they don't go equipped with um, hope, um, that is to say hope to one day own their own home, and if they don't go currently with warm, dry homes and the places that, where they want to live, then they will never be able to express themselves in the world in a positive way. You know, that, that makes the problem urgent. So those houses need to be built and they need to be built now and, and, and we can get on with doing that. As for resolving these um, bigger problems in the world, um, that is a political question until the young wake up and vote, until the young wake up and understand their interests and the way that their interests are not being implemented by people who um, pretend that they are doing that for them, um, then, you know, you know, not gonna get change. Those people are, um, the only people who vote are those who benefit from rising house prices, essentially. So I think there's a little bit of a political deficit about um, you know, putting pressure on to actually solve the problems that you say you are focused on. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanu, kia koutou, ko tāwahau. Hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars your beloved universes i really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are a triumph of nature's art perfect unique and here making things better thank you and I know for all of us over the last more than a year we've had to deal with so many new challenges. And as a species, of course, we are very adaptable. And with change comes transformation. But I think it's also so important to acknowledge the toll that it's taken on us and how we are learning new ways to care for ourselves and each other in these difficult times. So I really hope for you in your bubble that things are going well hope for you and your whanau and your loved ones that you're able to find ways each day to show love and support for each other and for yourself getting that time and space that you need getting a sense of your own complete whole inner universe always waiting for you as a comfort that sanctuary within amidst all the changes and ups and downs of the external world of course we can journey more and more deeply within our our own consciousness, our own inner knowing, and this can often give us a great sense of release and relief. I know also at this time, because we are in lockdown, 
is that opportunity to really tune into the living world, the natural world, and enjoy that sense of connection to all life in an infinite web, to hear the birds singing, and to enjoy those special treasures of our own neighbourhoods that we can go exploring. So I hope you've been able to do this too. I know at times like this when so much is happening around us and of course we find ourselves inundated with stories from the media. It's so important to get the balance right for our own health and well-being and I know that for all of us we're wanting to know what will happen and we want to have a sense of certainty and that sense of certainty really can only come from within us that we know we always have that inner sanctuary we have that place of stillness that place of knowing and seeing doing being feeling within us and as much as possible if we can bring our awareness to our behavior around the messages that we absorb and get the balance right i know this will be so helpful so much has been shifting and changing around us and we've had to deal with some very difficult and upsetting events that have recently happened and so I think for all of us we are in a state of shock and because of this it's so important that we do what we can to remember how strong we are, how resilient we are, to take pride in all the ups and downs we've moved through in our lives and know that we will get through this time too. So I really hope for you that you're having some time to go within and soothe and heal yourself, rest in your own embrace. And I really hope that amidst a lot of upsetting events happening over the last few days, we can take solace in the love that surrounds us in our lives and feel gratitude for those loving relationships that help us to see ourselves in new ways. It's also a time where we can really acknowledge the new skills that we've gained over the last several months and the new skills that others have gained around us and feel gratitude for these two. So thank you for having me as part of this show. I really love it. I'm so grateful and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Ross Pennington. Ross, we had um, the late Sir Michael Cullen on the show a year or so ago, and he said back then that our government is really, the structure of it, the design of it, is no longer fit for purpose. Mm. It needs a big revamp and a, a big shake-up to make it work better, and also our financial system as well. Do you have any thoughts on that? It sounds like you do because everything you've set up until now says that this is this interface with government is not working. Government isn't able to do what it's supposed to do. So how do we yeah. fix that? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I do. There are two things here. I'll try and deal with them in, in order. I think the second one's a bit more straightforward. So the first one about um, government, yeah, I, I really do agree with Sir Michael, and obviously that was a great blow that he passed on the... Um, there are a couple of things there. Firstly, uh, our, our system was long and slow in its evolution, um, you know, going way back to wingamots or whatever they're called of, uh, of Saxon times. The, there were a whole lot of important things that happened along the way, and, and they ended up with a happy accident of good government based around the thing called the Westminster system. Now, as soon as people stopped 
respecting key elements of the Westminster system, then the whole thing falls apart. So for example, one of those is ministerial responsibility. So we have a, we no longer have, in my opinion, a functioning administrative state. And I know that sounds extremely harsh, but when you are tasked with solving problems and you make them materially worse, like for example, just, just to give an example, right? Tasked with solving the housing problem, this government had been in power for two years and then counting from that day forward for two years, the house prices went up 35%. That, that is a level of failure that is, um, is almost incomprehensible. But one, one of the key things is that used to happen, and, and I, I think I recall this happening once when I was a child, and that would have been the 1970s, is that if your department made a sufficient enough failure, then you, the minister, would resign. Now, since we've lost little bits and pieces of our constitution like that, then there is no accountability that flows down to the unelected in particular. So the civil service just rumbles along, you know, and there are elements of greatness in the civil service, ironically, or no, I'm not ironically, sorry to tax people, but then Land Revenue, for example, is a model of um, efficiency and quality, but so much of the um, public sector is, is not. Uh, the other problems with democracy are endemic um, in the developed world. and um, there's a um, very nasty kind of alt-righty kind of um, piece of thinking called the dark enlightenment. Um, despite it being nasty and alt-righty, it's hard to fault it. So what it suggests is that in the modern political economy, only an incompetent politician would not bid up things to its key stakeholders to the maximum extent possible. So the key stakeholders in this world are those who vote. Obviously, if you are a politician, you are in the game of counting votes. And people who vote have one significant asset, that is the House. And people here and everywhere around the world are voting for those measures that result in an increase in house prices, which is simply a pure transfer because other people uh, are then shut out of housing markets and um, have their well-being affected by affordability issues, which are very, very, very significant indeed. And the reason that, you know, our economy is successfully delivering, for example, higher wages for workers, but those are being more than frittered away on um, increased housing costs, uh, persistent uh, inflation and the real things that make life and people's uh, difference in people's lives, like going to the supermarket. So that's so, yes, the democracy is problem problematic. Um, as for fixing it, I, I think the power is in the hands of the people. Uh, I believe that people have got to better articulate what is going on in government and um, stop interviewing their typewriters and talking about their party's um, talking points and actually just engage correctly on this. We're not going to get constitutional reform. Um, just, you know, New Zealand and constitutional reform, right? We took 14 years to implement the statute of Westminster that gave us our sovereignty. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. Um, financial system is an interesting one. We have a misshaped financial system, and that's all our own fault. It is what we've made it. We are fundamentally rejigging that um, with one of the first things this government did, and I really take my hat, um, hat off to them, was to do a bottom-up review of the Reserve Bank. And they the, that is um, the first part of that, which um, was the monetary policy remit has been done, but the second part of it is to do with the structure of the banking system, and that's ongoing. That does not sound like an exciting project, but it really, really, really is. There's um, $591 billion of assets in the banking system waiting to be deployed, either to good purposes or otherwise. And um, 
the way that they go about doing that and the structure in which that takes place is so hugely important to the outcomes that we have as a community. So, yeah, the second one is happening and I'm optimistic about that and I do participate in that, um, advising both private sector and government entities. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, the the democracy, though, I, I, I'm near enough to despairing about. Yep, I get, I get that. And I think that before you were talking about how we need our kids for real change to happen, we need the kids to vote, but it's hard to get them to vote when they're also despairing. When they turn on the television or they turn on the internet or whatever social media or wherever they get their news from, it's despair all the time. It's the, you won't own a house, You the job that you think you want to do won't exist, you will have climate change to deal with that we've left for you, all of these things global pandemics, you know, mm. the, the, their their future has this big wall in front of them and they have to find some way to overcome it. How do we get mm. them to overcome it? Where, how do we enable that? Yeah, I, I blame my own generation a little bit, Generation X. So I, I, I think we've been, there's, a, you know, a matapono deficit. I sort of talk about the lack of the the, the, the fact that, you know, wairua's matters of spirit have just completely disappeared from our culture. So we lack any connection to the land and to each other and just to those communitarian spirit kind of elements. And when that happens, really, really bad stuff goes down. Um, I, look, I think, so our system is one that runs by political parties, and I just don't think there is any political party out there properly articulating the, the big biggest issues and giving sincere responses. Now, if, if that were to come along with that, attract the attention and excitement of the young so that they would vote because the, this this thing is, is purely circular because there's an imbalance in who votes there is an imbalance in the policies that come out of it so to the young i say vote please because all of that despair and hopelessness i don't want to say it's your own fault but it, it, if you do not vote as a group then policies will be imbalanced away from your interests simple as that so that that dark enlightenment thing was that's really its key message. So, but who, you know, who has the time to read C and Moretti on spatial imbalances and housing? Not, you know, yeah, not many, right? So um, you do need um, for people to articulate this correctly. So I I really do question what the parties who used to be devoted to the working class now regard themselves as being devoted to, because as far as I can tell, it sure ain't. The working class so someone's got to get up and articulate that um and um yeah i'm not i'm not seeing that happening yeah but i mean this is sounding like i'm a really political guy i i the i started my life at the new zealand treasury and i was literally in the lobby of parliament um handing bits of paper up to ministers who would read them out and that gave me um the sort of insight into politics that made me never wish to return to having any connection with politics and i never have to this day other than voting so I'm not a very political guy, but you asked a political question, so I was giving it. <laughs> it's funny you should talk about that. I always um, thought that that was where I wanted to be until I got into roles of supporting other people and their political aspirations and seeing their inability to actually affect change and uh, the frustration that they feel of being on the inside and not actually being able to do anything. Yeah, and no, I think that that feeling of not being able to do anything is is the key theme of, in my life now. And the beautiful word that is used for it in today is, of course, Ranga Te Ratanga. And um, I, that you know, as with most, you know, Fakara Māori, uh, it is uh, 
invented by and in relation to Māori, but is of universal application. So the notion of empowerment is critical. If you've got a government that's not serving interest, then I am all for anything that um, involves giving someone else a go, right? So yes, am I um, enthusiastic about hei puapua and, and those general notions? Absolutely. Um, if there were a hei puapua for, um, for, for localism um, of any kind, I'm, I'm all for it, for NGOs, for, for whatever, right? You know, um, as far as I'm concerned, if you, if it's your turn and you haven't delivered for sufficiently long, then it ought to be someone else's turn would be the way I would describe it. But just getting back to Rangatira Tonga in terms of what we can do within the current system. So I talked a little bit when we're in the music break or whatever before about this notion of coalitions of the willing. So I do try to and, and um, sometimes succeed in finding people within the government who really, really are fired up about making these changes and, um, and solving these problems. And if you're faced with a world just of generalised inertia, then it's quite surprising what small groups of motivated and disciplined people can do to punch through that and to, to make real change. So that's what gets me up in the morning. I feel absolutely no. I said I felt a little bit despair about democracy and that that, that doesn't mean to say I feel any despair about getting things done. I absolutely strongly believe that we will succeed in getting things done because, as I say, this you know, this wall of inertia will mean no more to a small and disciplined coalition of the willing than the wall of Persians meant to Alexander the Great, right? Where do you attack? Oh, that's where they're strongest. That's where we're going. And that's that's how you get it done. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have to Era's Tahekinga Nui. Why this one? Uh, because I'm obsessed with the Great Migration. Um, obsessed? Uh, no, very interested in it. I um, My Tarao journey um, this time around, because I had a break from it because life happened, I got busy with that infrastructure thing I was talking about, um, has been more balanced um, with not just Reo, like I was learning Russian or French, but with Tikanga and uh, Whakapapa and Pudako and those sorts of things. And I owe a lot of that to the wonderful people at the Taringa podcast. So um, kia ora Parauni and um, pu- um, Puahaiti. Um, I was just listening to you this morning. Thank you for what you do. You both deserve um, knighthoods and Erica as well. So, yeah, this, um, the, this, this is all about the, well, the core seven voyaging waka. Um, Tainui Te Rawa Takitimu Tokumaru Mātātua Koro Te Aotea and Ngātoki Mātawharua there are of course many more than that but the but that journey um, is 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 one of the single greatest achievements of humanity and the fact that it isn't celebrated every morning by us is um, <laughs> I just don't I don't understand We've got two seconds. There's this wonderful book by Lincoln Payne called Civilization and the Sea, and it goes chronologically in the uh, in matters, naval, navigation, voyaging, and so forth, except in one respect. It starts with the oceanic voyaging because that is by a long, long, long shot the most um, uh, extraordinary thing that has happened in the history of seafaring, and, and um, it was how we came to be here. And so that is why I chose uh, Nga Hekinga Nui. Toki, 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 toki. 
Yeah, so that's Lincoln Payne with an E. It's a it's a really wonderful book, and it's got so many things that that really blow your mind. Um, like for example, there was a uh, civilization at the tip of uh, South America and two thousand something years ago that where they had a standing army of fifty thousand. Um, you know, at Argentcore, um, around about six hundred played around about. 800 right you know there wasn't to be an army that large again until um napoleonic times and which leads to the other cool things about um you know the old pudaco so um there is no doubt that there was contact between south america and um, um the polynesian triangle so um 
And how do we know that? Well, it's because we have the Kumara, which is, of course, South American. So, but we also know that because Pugato told us that. So there's a wonderful one about uh, Tafaki, uh, and it was almost certain that that was about going to, voyaging to South America, or at least to meet South Americans, perhaps in Rapa Nui. Um, but we also now know now, because of DNA evidence, that that uh, occurred. And the funny thing is, is how much our science catches up with these old stories. So for example, this is one of my favorites, the Aboriginal people didn't need to be told about um, uh, the last glacial maximum and uh, sea level rise and fall because they remembered when you could walk from that island there that was a couple or more kilometers offshore uh, and not get wet feet. And they, those, so those stories go back to the last glacial maximum and therefore a minimum 12,000 years old and they have passed down to us. And of course, yeah, okay, now that they've got a touch of storytelling and myth about them, but they transmit the information quite successfully. Well, we weren't to find this out until about 30 years ago. Now that is not a knock against science, nor is it any suggestion that there's anything mystical about um, telling stories. It's just that people do, in oral cultures, tell stories very well, and they hold very, very interesting clues about the past. Ross, we've seen lots of changes, not over the last, 12,000 years, but over the last year and a half. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, what sort of changes are you talking about then? Societal level ones, rather than the okay. fact hmm. that we've figured out we can stay at home. Oh, um, um, I, am, I, am, I am not a great philosopher on the course of societies because I've got this little weirdness where the things that I care a lot about no one else seems to care about it at all, and things that most people seem to care about, I don't care about at all. But um, but I would I would say what I hope. So we had the Enlightenment, and we got science and stuff, and that was a positive. But we managed to put a knife in the idea of um, of of any kind of spiritual connections and so forth. And I think um, we really failed in saying, oh hey, we don't, you know, um, that this version of the world wasn't wasn't right, um, but not putting anything satisfactory in its place. And 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 um, in Tao Māori, that never occurred. The Wairuatanga was perfectly capable of absorbing the Christian um, God um, and without, um, it was assimilated, no no problem at all. Um, and um, but, but did not banish um, in any way the traditional um, beliefs that were part of that system. But my the point I have about that is that if you have wairua tanga at the foundation of the way that you go about things and the way you think about them, you will simply think differently and act differently than if you don't. And those ways that you think and act are hugely important and yet are completely neglected in our culture. One of the reasons that I do really enjoy Tereo is that these questions of tikanga and um, you know um, uh, matapono and so forth are, are indeed baked into the language, and um, that is not in a way that just doesn't doesn't happen with um, the inadequacies of the English language in this realm. I think, you know, in that in that respect, I think Tereo um, is is closer in nature to something like you know ancient Greek which is the last time that I think um, the Pākehā probably had any decent um, handle on spirituality too because we managed to take a perfectly um, good religious structure and, and turn it into a bunch of silly rules and things that make wars and, and that sort of thing, which was a bit of a wrong turn. 
I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last year or so? Oh, gosh. That is so tough. I think the biggest success was um, finding my metier, joining up with Power Finance and uh, having the ability to do actually something that really means something to me and, and that I regard as important. You were talking about superpowers for good before. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Mm, to a hangata. Um, superpower is probably caring and following through. So the follow through is not just care about a thing, commit yourself wholeheartedly to actually doing something about it. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, because activists go out and do things and say things in the world. I'm a doerist, if, if, if you like. I, I don't. I do my. I do my work in the shadows. I don't court attention. I don't play for applause. Um, oh gosh, this is sounding like I'm really arrogant. I, I'm not. I just mean that in the opposite sense. So I've had a lot of things in life where I stood up in public and 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 so forth. And you know that time in my life is is over. I just want to. Um, I want to do things that change things, but I don't want to have any prominence in relation to that. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm. Um, just the old-fashioned stuff of wanting to leave something better than you found it. I mean, I just get that from my dad, really. It's um, just yeah, my mum, I suppose. God bless you, mum. No, it's just it, you, 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 you don't really know what drives you, I don't think. You're just driven by something. And, um, yeah, I, I, I do not find it satisfactory if we have a society that's unfair, for example, and I try and do what I can to help. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, the big biggest challenge is using structured finance to help deliver rangatira tanga, and, and I'm I'm hugely optimistic about that. I mean, if you look back to the period between 1835 and when things started going wrong about 1859, 1860, there was an absolute efflorescence of um, societal togetherness and um, just an economic vibrancy that was extraordinary. Most iwi, the same story, they had three or four boats that were conducting trade with um, Port Jackson, as it was then known, of course, that's Sydney, um, Tamaki Makoto up and down the islands everywhere, um, you know, and it was uh, vigorous trade in flax and food and all sorts of other resources. And um, and we came along and um, and we busted that up, you know, it was quite literally done in Parihaka and also, I believe, up in Tataitukaro, um, people's millstones were actually deliberately smashed um, yeah, this was wheat was planted, bread was being grown, and that was feeding the the whole colony. And, you know that economic base, for reasons that um, you know completely escaped me now, was was destroyed. So, you know that that the vision of our future is nothing other than a vision of the past before we screwed it up. In, in my humble opinion. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, kia mai, kia manawanui. Be brave, be steadfast, enjoy yourself, hug your children. If you don't have any children yet, go and have some. Thank you for that. <laughs> Mawera. Um, I, I like what you said before about standing on a hill 50 years from now and looking back and seeing what you've done. Um, and, and I think that that reflection 
that ability to think into the future is really, really important. And we need to be able to do that and also reflecting on where we've been and what we've done. And that's a really good reminder of that. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your sharing. That was a really cool quarter today. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. It was a true delight to meet you at that conference. Delightful things don't generally happen at finance conferences. So I was very happy about that. And, um, you know, mihiana kia koutou. Thank you for everyone out there who, um, <laughs> who, who, might, who might have listened to this or listened to it in the future. Kilda. I've seen the arrow on the doorpost Saying this land is condemned all the way from New Orleans to Jerusalem Well, I traveled through East Texas Where many martyrs fell And I know no one can sing the blues Like Blind Willie McTell mm, I've heard that hoot owl singing as they were taking down the tents The stars above the barren trees Was his only audience Them charcoal gypsy maidens Can strut their feathers well But nobody can sing the blues like
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.